are having conversations with machines that are designed purposefully to learn how to persuade us with personalized information. And that's psychotechnology. We're more persuadable by technology that we relate to empathetically. And that's why voice communications is a game changer. As we talk to our devices through the voice user interface, it opens us up to be manipulated, to be persuaded, to be changed in ways that we haven't been before. And a government that's big enough to give you those things based on your social credit score is also powerful enough to take those things away from you if you step across the line, if you ask the wrong questions, if you say the wrong things. And it won't just be limited to China. Let's imagine. Finally, I am able to offer Bill Andrews amazing new anti-aging dietary supplement with Tam. I have been wanting this since I learned about its discovery approximately four years ago. At that time, it was not available as an oral supplement. But now, Define Time with Tam is here. This amazing product counteracts and suppresses the fundamental cause of aging, telomere shortening. Tam improves biological health in skin, vessels, brain, and bone. Specifically, it works to lengthen telomeres and cells, leading to younger and healthier cells. Currently, Define Time with Tam is the most effective anti-aging compound available in the world today. Listeners will receive a 5% discount using code Sarah 5 Be sure to use this every time you buy. It will also work in conjunction with other offers. See additional research and learn more with the link below. Hey, business Game Changers, I'm Sarah Westall. I have William Ammerman coming to the show. He just finished writing this amazing book called The Invisible Brand. It's all about AI and machine learning and how they how marketing and the powers that be are using it for persuasion to not only get you to buy, but to change you and how it can better society and also the, the dark parts of it and what this really means. He, his goal is to really educate people on what this really means, how it works from beginning to end so you understand when a company like Facebook or Amazon or Google has the power to do this, what power do they really have behind the scenes? We talk about China and their social credit system. We talk about Firefly, you know, Operation Firefly. We talk about, you know, Amazon buying the Washington Post. What does all this mean? What is, what is Facebook's wanting to create a currency mean? How, how can they, what can this mean? And so we talk about all of that, how that relates back to AI. This is a great interview. And he, for my patrons, he gives us a chapter of his book so they can get a better feel of what his book is. And you can go that by going to my Patreon channel. But for those of you who do not want to be a part of my Patreon, watch, I don't know why you don't want to be a Patreon of mine because I have so many free things. I have discounts and different things. But for those of you who are really interested in this book, you can always um, get it on Amazon or on his website, or it's, it's available everywhere. Before we get into this interview, you may have noticed an ad about TAM 818. It's the telomere lengthening. I have been working with Bill Andrews and his group for, since I learned about what he's doing for five years, about getting this supplement available to people. 
and it wasn't even in supplement form until a couple years ago and they were not ready to make it available for the world and now it is and I've been able to work out um, an arrangement for them to give my listeners a 5% discount. I know it doesn't seem like a lot but at least it's something. It's an expensive product but at least it's a three-month supply and you do get a 10% discount when you first join. You have to join and you get a 10% discount. So you can at least try it. 10% plus my 5%, it gives you a um, gives you, gives you a little bit discount just to try it. it it's 16% telomere lengthening. And I use it on my face with a face cream. And it attaches to your shortest telomeres first. And it appears to be doing that. And that's why people are seeing such a big difference. And imagine what it does to your cells. You know, there's different skin creams that all that help you, but it, what it does is it forces the regeneration of your your cells, or it makes them healthier in various ways. But this actually makes them younger, and that's why you look younger because your cells are younger. So you know, if you're taking this in conjunction with C60, the amazing results people can have. Now everybody's body's different, so I imagine there's people who aren't going to feel anything from it. I mean. Imagine there's somebody, but I, you know, 16% telomere, that's, if you're in your 60s, that's almost a 10 year difference in the age of your cells. I'm very excited. My, I'm getting my parents on it. And I would like to hear, for those of you who do try it, I really want your feedback on what kind of results that you're getting. And I'm going to apologize up front. I know it's expensive and they're working their tails off to come up with solutions that are less expensive for people. So, I'm really hoping that happens. We're very early, very early in the cycle of understanding how to do this for our body. So it's expensive. All the technology is expensive at first. So look, keep an eye out for that. I have the coupon codes below. And let's now get into my interview with William Ammerman. Hello, William. Thank you so much for joining the program. Hi, Sarah. Glad to be here. I'm really happy that you're here because you are you're going to educate or help inform people on really the power of AI, how it really works. You uh, have created the term psycho, what's it called? Psychotechnology. Psychotechnology, which is its own industry, right? I mean, you've created the term for this new industry on how AI works and how it changes us. Will you explain in more detail what that means? Sure. Uh, well, any time you have the you know convergence of a bunch of trends, they sometimes add up to something more than the sum of the parts. You know, you, you have a block of cheese, a spring, and a block of wood, and individually they don't add up to much. But if you put them together in the right combination, you have a mousetrap. And in our case today, we have the convergence of four major trends, which I'll summarize very briefly. The first comes out of the advertising industry, and that is that information is now personalized. When you sit down to look at the internet, you're getting ads that are personalized to Sarah. If you and I were sitting next to each other at the airport, I'd be looking at different ads based on my behaviors, based on my interests, You'd be seeing different ads, even if we were on the same website. And increasingly, information is personalized by other vectors. Your Facebook feed is different from my Facebook feed. And as people get more, more and more of their information, 
information and their news, they're getting personalization. The second trend is that we have reached a point where we have turned persuasion into a science. Persuasion used to be, you know, you'd lick your finger and put it in the wind to try to figure out which way the wind was blowing. Today, we can A-B test messaging, we can A-B test visuals, creatives for ad campaigns, and we can deliver information that is more persuasive just for Sarah. It might not be as persuasive for Bill or for John or for Sarah. It's a different message, right? So the personalization of information coupled with persuasion as a science starts to add up to something new. And when we couple that with machine learning, we're now programming machines to learn how to persuade you using personalized information. And the fourth major trend that comes out of AI is natural language processing. We're now talking to our machines. We're talking to our phones. We're talking to our, our cars. We're talking to our televisions. And as we communicate with these devices, they become more, we, we become uh, more empathetically persuaded by them. We, we start to become connected to them. And the convergence of these forces adds up to psychological technology. It's technology that's operating on us psychologically. We are having conversations with machines that are designed purposefully to learn how to persuade us with personalized information. And that's psychotechnology. And the persuasion ability, we have the persuasion science has become so advanced that they really know how to trigger your emotions. They know how to trigger everything. So when you couple it with everything that you're talking about, it's extremely powerful. Right, so there was a, a great study that was done uh, a few months ago in which a robot interacted with the study group. And uh, in the control group at the end of the interaction where they were talking to this little robot, they were told to turn it off and the, and the, you know, the control group just turned the machine off. In the study group, when they were told to turn the machine off, it protested. It said, please don't turn me off. I'm scared of the dark. And guess what? The study participants refused to turn off the device. Wow. They were empathetic. They had an experience. They translated their own fear of the dark and believed that it was possible that this machine, which is not afraid of the dark, by the way, could somehow be afraid of the dark. And when we start to realize that we are relating to our machines empathetically, we can also recognize that the more human-like our interactions with those devices become, particularly through speech, the more empathetic we become. In fact, when they studied it, people who interacted with the machine longer experienced an even more profound resistance or reluctance to turn the device off. So when we think about empathy, we're experiencing empathy for these devices, and that empathy opens us up to being persuaded. We're more persuadable by technology that we relate to empathetically, and that's why voice communications is a game changer. As we talk to our devices through the voice user interface, it opens us up to be manipulated, to be persuaded, to be changed in ways that we haven't been before.
Now, did they tell the machine or the robot to t at the end to say, don't turn me off? That must have been programmed in. Yeah, yeah, that was programmed. Okay. So, the, so and, that was part of the study. Yeah, that was part of the study to see if they could get them not to turn it off. Now, that's a certain group of people who are more prone to being empathetic with the actual machine, right? I mean, because isn't, aren't all people have different things they can be empathetic about and the whole point of all this information data is to figure out what your trigger points are and use that to persuade you. So let me give you a different example from my own life to answer your question. So yes, we're all persuaded differently and we can learn to be persuaded by different persuasion tactics and we, we can learn to persuade people differently. But in Now terms that's of the empathy, scary part, right? They yeah, can change so us to be persuaded. Okay, keep going. Yeah, so, so I was at a cocktail party at my neighbor's house and their four-year-old son, charming little boy, came up to me, tugged on my sleeve and he wanted to show me something and I was very reluctant to go with him. I was worried I was getting lured into a game of Candyland and uh, his mother gave me a reassuring nod and I politely went with her son to view what he had just purchased or they, the family had just purchased their new Alexa Echo, their, their new Amazon Echo with Alexa. So um, Liam, little boy, he, he's standing there at the counter on his tippy toes, gleefully putting Alexa through her paces. You know, his hands on the counter, tippy toes, and he says, Alexa, play Star Wars. And Alexa you know, dutifully responds, John Williams, the theme from Star Wars, 1977, done, you know, plays the theme from Star Wars. And I was impressed. This is cool. Four-year-old can navigate a user interface. And I was thinking about that because I was writing the book at the time. And I was thinking, okay, voice user interface can be navigated by someone who can't read yet, right? So that's important. Um, speech comes innately much earlier than reading. We learn to, to speak when we're a year old, a year and a half old, but we don't learn to read until we're four, five, six, seven years old. And so the, the development cycle of speech is, is more innate. It comes earlier. And as I was having that conversation with myself, he leaned forward and whispered, Alexa, I love you. Oh. And I hmm. froze. His mom was standing in the doorway and she had previously had this adoring, you know, glow about her where she's walk watching her precocious young son put Alexa through her paces. And suddenly her expression changed. It was a, almost a pained expression like jealousy. And she quickly turned and left the room. And I was left standing there thinking about what I had just witnessed. And so to answer your question, we're all persuaded differently. We're all empathetic differently, but it's early in our lives. We start to develop these kind of empathetic relationships. And what is almost universal is this expression of love for something that is rewarding you at, at a very young age. If it's you know giving you what you want, you feel this emotion. And I, I almost think that that's universal. I think that we are all universally capable of having these empathetic experiences, but we're all going to have them a little differently. And so what the AI can do as it becomes more persuasive, it taps into your unique experiences, your unique emotions, your unique relationship with that device. It remembers who you are. It remembers what you're interested in. And it uses all of that information to build 
a richer, deeper relationship just with you. And that's programmed by people, obviously, who have been studying persuasion and data analytics so they know how to do that. And so it's, it, now, what are your thoughts on that? Because you are, in your book, you discuss some pretty daunting stuff and you discuss some pretty good stuff. So what are your thoughts on that and where are we going? I mean, we're, I have a lot of questions for you and how we can go in, the, in a direction that's good for mankind versus nefarious. But what are your thoughts on that? So I wrote the book specifically to try to bring these to light and to try to reveal some of the hidden things that are going on in the background. It's actually the of the book, The Invisible Brand. Um, because I believe that there are invisible to people. So when you're having a conversation with Alexa, they're answering me because they have a motive, that they have an interest in persuading me. And so this invisible brand that's operating in our lives is something that I wanted to reveal to people so that they're not vulnerable to being hacked by it. But there are there are tremendous opportunities. So it's not just a book about what to be afraid of. It's a book about what are the opportunities and what are the risks and how do we start to have a conversation about both and try to manage them. And it, it, rather than take sides and rather than being preachy in the book, I very much took the position that first, I want everybody to understand how this works. I wanted people to understand the technology and I wanted people to understand both the opportunities and the vulnerabilities so that they could make decisions for themselves. Um, and I, I'd love to kind of give you a couple quick examples of, of some of those you know, risks and rewards. Perfect. Yeah. So on the, on the risk side, obviously, um, you know, we talk a lot about privacy. There's a chapter in the book called Privacy, Politics, and Propaganda in which I really dig in on you know, what are the vulnerabilities for us as citizens, and a very terrifying example, almost a dystopian kind of Orwellian example, is what's going on in China. They're mm -hmm. developing a social credit system. It's terrifying. In which they, it's terrifying, mm -hmm. in which they give Sarah social credit points for saying nice things about the Communist Party, for being a good citizen of the Communist Party, and, a, and, and doing the right thing for China. Um, but if Bill, speaks out against that, Bill's social credit score might go down, actually will go down. And when you look at the rewards for having a high social credit system or a high social credit rank in China, you're talking about being rewarded with housing, with transportation, with food. And a government that's big enough to give you those things based on your social credit score is also powerful enough to take those things away from you if you step across the line, if you ask the wrong questions, if you say the wrong things. And that and, can go, can't that spiral out of control as they realize the power they have? Completely out of control. And it won't just be limited to China. Let's imagine, and in the news this week, you've had the, the hearings about Facebook Libra. Let's imagine that you're and your social media mind, so that Facebook now has a currency called Libra that's attached to your social media, and 
maybe we don't like what you're doing. We freeze you out of financial transactions. We don't like you. We don't let you attach Libra to your app. Maybe we won't do business with you if you say the wrong things. So it's not just China. The vulnerability is massive. It's a massive vulnerability. So that's something for us to worry about. Well, and think of this. Google has a project called Dragonfly, which was part of these, that Chinese thing that you're talking about, the social credit system. Yeah. They, it's called Dragonfly, and people are really suspecting that they're unleashing it now on Western countries, and that Google has been infiltrated pretty heavily by the Chinese, and that maybe things are happening here. Peter Thiel and other people are seriously questioning what the heck is going on with Google and what is the Chinese connection and are you above board on this? Because Google sees more opportunity maybe in China than it does in the United States. That's well, where it gets scary. Yeah, I think there's a very real possibility that, you know, China could create its own version of the internet if it wanted to. It could, you know, literally create an alternate internet. Um, so engaging with China is important, finding points of engagement, finding ways that we can actually get, yeah. get more people engaged. Um, you know, back to, you know, 1972, uh, you know, the U.S. engaged with China because there was this sense that leaving China alone and leaving China, you know, kind of walled off from the rest of the world created a vacuum in which the Chinese government could do terrible things. If you go back to the Great Leap Forward, you, you talk about you know upwards of 30 million human beings being disappeared by their government at gunpoint and starved to death. And you know, we look at today and we say, what's going on in China today? Are there minorities that are being repressed? Literally, people disappearing. The Muslims going into China who, into concentration camps. The Falun Gong going into so, concentration So there are camps. people being yep. disappeared in China today. Wouldn't it be great if we had a social media record of those people? Wouldn't it be great if the faceless had some Facebook? And you might ask yourself, well, okay, so there are benefits to having social media. There are benefits to having some accountability that these people can't just be disappeared, that they exist at least in some virtual form on social media, that there's some record of their existence. So they can't just, you know, vaporize and, and, and you know, never be heard from again. So there is a part, you know, a proliferation of, you know, kind of free technology to be used freely. Uh, but the fear, of course, is that it starts to be used against you and, and that it's used to manipulate you. Well, and in the United States, we are starting to see this, this firefly, you know, this application here. We have people who have been disappeared, especially out of Native American communities where the FBI doesn't track it, or people who are disadvantaged and things. And, you know, you got the things such as Epstein. We're not completely clean either. So having, not being able to have that freedom here is pretty scary too, right? I mean, we're not super clean either, right? We're not, we, I wish we were, that's our goal is to, so that's why it's so important to understand what you're talking about because we're not sitting on top of, human beings are human beings, whether you're in China or America. 
it's the structures that you fight for and the freedom that you fight for to keep you from falling into some of those rabbit holes that are you can't get back from that are evil so so there's some risks and if yeah. you're, if you're not paranoid now you you know <laughs> i can't sorry i mean uh, you know it's a part of understanding you kind of get paranoid through the understanding right. process right i you know when i started learning about this stuff i was all positive all optimistic because it's so cool I was, you know, I'm a computer scientist, engineer, and I'm like, oh my God, the opportunities. And then you start realizing and growing up a bit and realizing, well, there's a dark side and there's a positive side. We can't just look at the dark side because we don't want to advance. We'll be be like East Germany where they were stuck in a yeah. time warp. We don't want to be yeah, stuck in a time be, warp. We don't want to be Luddites about it. Um, there are tremendous opportunities. And in the book, I, I gave an example, which I think is useful here, because it's an imaginary example, just to free your mind up for a second. Let's imagine that I could offer you a $500 pair of shoes, $500. I have never paid $500 for a pair of shoes in my life. I hope I never will, unless they can save my life. So if I offered Sarah a pair of shoes or $500, Sarah, wear these shoes, they can save your life. And here's how. We're going to put sensors in those shoes. We're going to measure the way you walk. We're going to measure every step you take for the next several years. We're going to watch how your body changes over time. And we're going to aggregate that data with millions of other people's data. And we're going to start to look and look at disease vectors that affect the way you walk and see if we can't correlate the early onset of diseases like Alzheimer's, of Parkinson's, of diabetes, these things all affect us in ways that you could detect through sensors in your shoes. Parkinson's patients change the way they walk. My father died of a neurological uh, degenerative disorder called Lewy body syndrome, which is not quite as well known, but it changed the way he walked. He, he walked with a more stooped gait. He walked with his hands hanging from his sides and he didn't swing his arms as much. Those changes could be detected by sensors in shoes. Imagine the benefit of being able to see Alzheimer's, Parkinson's progressing and seeing that these early onset diseases, you know, imagine how we could change diabetes if we could see it earlier. Diabetes is known to affect our extremities, particularly our feet early well and that's incre yeah that's incredible because they're starting to see with voice different voices they can right. get to diseases right. and things and in voices they can even see what minerals and things you might be missing i mean it's it you're exactly right there is so many phenomenal things that could help humankind yeah so there's this quality of life for the greater good i would love to put that pair of shoes on right now and I would happily give up the data about my posture and the way I walk. I would gladly give that up to a study that aggregated that data across millions of examples and started correlating that back to health records to see what can we find out about people's health by the way they move. Now, I think we could all agree that there are trade-offs that we're willing to you know, give up. There, there's my privacy in favor of some benefit. I'm willing to give up certain things about my privacy in order to have 
a package delivered tomorrow morning at my doorstep. I'm willing to give up certain you know information about myself if I'm leaving my pet at the you know at the boarding place where I board my pet when I go on vacation. They need information about me. They need my telephone number. They need to know where I'm going, how long I'll be gone. I'm willing to trade that information for the benefit of knowing that if there's an emergency, they can get a hold of me. We make these calculations all the time. We trade information for services and benefit constantly. But where it's where it crosses the creepy line is that we're being stalked by our technology that we're you know, that the t the information is being given without an obvious benefit back to us that we're unaware that we're making the trade that's when the exchange is lopsided or uneven and most of us have is kind of natural kind of repulsion to the idea that i'm being stalked without my knowledge that you know i often say keep in mind that this thing and not to make everybody crazy paranoid but this thing is a microphone plugged into the internet it literally is a microphone plugged into the internet and what you do with that and how you control that and what apps you have installed has a lot to do with how information gets shared but default back to this is a microphone plugged into the internet for a second and you start to recognize that I'm making certain trade-offs. This thing gives me a lot of conveniences, but I'm trading some aspects of my privacy for those conveniences. Uh, a lot of news has been made about the fact that your location can be determined by your device. And that's very true. I'll, I'll pause there uh, in case you have a follow-up question, but I'd love to talk about kind of location-aware devices and how that you know, kind of changes things. Well, I, let's talk about it. But I got to tell you, tracking location of my kids was pretty handy. Right. <laughs> you know, I like that. But I don't want everybody knowing where I am at all times, especially if I'm doing something that is, let's say I'm doing a project that I know bad guys don't want out there. I don't want them to track where I'm at. You know? There's a lot of, uh, I know that sounds almost conspiratorial, but it's true and it's real. And that's why there's that Signal app. Have you heard about the yes. Signal app? A lot of people use that, especially in business or in, in um, intelligence, because they don't want people tracking their sound, their, what they're talking about. And I don't want some competitor of mine, if I'm developing a, an advanced medical treatment to, to steal our stuff and mess it up, especially if they're going to try to make it so that it can't come out in the first place. You know what I mean? So all these things are important, but yeah, talk about location because there's, there's some good and some bad because I personally use both sides of it. Yeah. So um, think back to the evolution of uh, a simple example of a location aware device is a car that has OnStar. That was something that, you know, they made a big deal about, you know, you'd buy a car with OnStar, it would know where you are. If you were in a car accident, it would activate and, um, you know, they could send help. You know what? I'm all in favor of that. My son had a car accident not too long ago. He was fortunately not seriously injured, but he did have a concussion. He was woozy from the car accident and he was able to reach out to me by his phone and send me the coordinates through Google Maps of exactly where he was, in which case I was able to call the police and a tow truck, et cetera, and get 
help to him faster than I would have been able to drive there myself, all because his device was location aware. So with the example of OnStar and a location aware device, we can immediately see benefits, right? And in a world in which we are rapidly engaging with technology that, that automates things like driverless cars, we can also see that having a driverless car know where we are has some value. If there's a car coming in the other lane, I want it to know where I am. I, I'm just saying, I don't want to be run over. I want, I want my <laughs> location saying. known by you know, autonomous vehicles. So there are obvious examples where we can all point to and say, yes, knowing my location and having devices that know my location is beneficial. We can see examples. But we also have this creepy sense that I don't really want somebody to be able to go type into the internet, where is William Ammerman right now, and have my exact location pop up. I don't want people stalking me. There may be, you know, uh, I, you know, if I was a, if you know, I have children, and I don't really want, you know, stalkers, predators, you know, figuring out where they are at all times. So we can again, exactly, yeah. it scares the hell out of parents. Right. So we can see a benefit. The OnStar example, the, you know, the example of my son, you know, being able to be found quickly in a car accident on the highway. On the other hand. We also feel that there's this creepy line that we don't want crossed by predators and people, you know, ne'er-do-wells who may not have our best interests at heart. So giving us the power to try to start drawing those lines and making it very clear in our lives who does have the right to our information and who doesn't have the right to our information is a challenge for all of us. I'll go back to the, to the, uh, to the store, okay? So if we're if I'm operating a pet store and I board, you know, Sarah, do you have any pets? I don't know. You have dogs? Yeah, I do. I we oh yeah, dogs. I love okay. dogs. Anybody who doesn't love dogs, I don't know yeah, how you know why I love dogs. I know I'm getting off topic. They have a bigger emotional or what do you call it? Uh cerebral cerebral mold here that makes them more emotional. Stronger emotions. That's why they're so loving. But anyways, okay. keep going. So um you you bring your you bring your dog to my, my, you know, my pet store where I board pets. And you have certain privacy boundaries about who you are and where you're going. But you recognize that because we have a business relationship, I, as the business owner, have certain needs. I need to know a little bit more about you than you might share with somebody else. I need to know some things about your dog's history, vaccinations, you know, what kind of food, um, does he have, you know, what's his temperament? Is Does he play nicely with other dogs? So you might share information with me that is now both of ours, right? So because I own the business, I now have an interest in owning that information. You have an interest in that information. So we create this gray area where your information becomes my information because of our business relationship. So we have this gray area. Now, I've just defined a very simple example. I'm proud to share with you Tetragen, which helps you transition to a healthier, happier, and thinner you without cravings or side effects. Our metabolic hormones are the underlying problem that doom every diet and exercise program to fail. They control our metabolism, cravings, how much we eat to feel satiated, blood sugar levels, and even our energy levels. 
Tetragen is formulated with four clinically proven patented ingredients that help rebalance your metabolic hormones in roughly 15 to 20 days, depending on the amount of weight you want to lose. Once your metabolic hormones are rebalanced, you'll be on the path of long-term sustainable weight loss because Tetragen is the first in the world which is scientifically formulated with four clinically proven and patented active ingredients to help you reach your targeted weight in two distinct phases. Phase one, rebalance your metabolic hormones, and phase two, accelerate fat loss. The best part is that Tetradin comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose besides weight? Learn more with the link below.